0: You're listening to the feed.
1: This is the feed.
0: This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed in Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan.
1: In
2: Stoville.
3: In Woodbridge. In Unionville. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer and this is The Feed. We are York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. On The Feed, my conversation with Ontario's Education Minister about new measures to combat bullying in our schools and also online. And on the show, the town of Georgina's unique plans to exchange parking tickets for toys But we begin with remembering those living with HIV and AIDS. Every year since 1988, we mark World AIDS Day on December the 1st. This year's theme, Communities Make the Difference, and the AIDS Committee of York Region does just that. Our Tina Cortez with an update from ACYR's Mark Koning.
0: Mark, can we start by telling our listeners a little bit about the AIDS Committee of York Region?
4: Sure, yeah. The AIDS Committee of York Region has been around uh, since 1993. It was kind of a grassroots grassroots uh, organization put together. It's grown over the years uh, through funding, um, and we actually have quite a few staff now. We offer different programs. Uh, we have our HIV support program. We have a harm reduction program, and we have a, a program that offers social supports to the LGBTQ plus community. Um and we are the only nonprofit uh ASO which is an aid service organization in New York region offering care and support um and what we do is we try to basically make connections so no one's isolated and no one's alone um we try to get them the help that they need um medical uh financial um we offer various things like compassion funds and education funds to help people further themselves and educate themselves
0: Do we know how many people are living with HIV and AIDS in York Region?
4: Um, The estimated number, which was um, given to us through public health uh, quite a few years ago, is around 400. Um, But we're guessing, obviously, because it's an old stat, that that number has grown. Um, But also there's... uh, testing in such that I don't think people have undergone and there's um there's a lot of stigma around that still there's a lot of uh supports that are not there um so some people are just living the way they live whether they know they have hiv or not um so that's not necessarily a number that's captured all that well
0: And why do you think people are reluctant to get tested you mentioned stigma
4: Stigma is uh Still a big issue, even though AIDS are HIV and AIDS are um, very manageable now, um, the stigma is still there. People don't t- understand it. People aren't educated around it. They don't really know what it means. They still think of it as the um, disease in the 80s and early 90s that was killing people. Um, no one really gets uh, where it came from or, or how it affects people's systems. And I think people are afraid of losing family and friends and being um, ousted from the community.
0: And you mentioned the 80s and 90s, and I remember covering HIV and AIDS during that time. Um, I lost friends to HIV and AIDS in the 90s. How has life for someone living with HIV and AIDS changed since that time?
4: Um, I think, well, as I said, I think it's much more manageable. And there are supports out there that they're was not before um there are many people i think that are willing to to listen and help offer support um but as i said because of the stigma it's still a very difficult um thing for people to live with uh because there are there are still a number of avenues uh to go through in life that are kind of going to shun you for having hiv or if they find out about it and people that know they're living with HIV are kind of keeping it hushed and don't really want to talk about it too much.
0: As we get set to mark World AIDS Day on Sunday, December 1st, what is the message of the AIDS Committee of York Region at this time?
4: I think the message would be um, acceptance and inclusion. Uh, There's really nothing wrong with... um, having HIV and living with HIV, it's very manageable and it's much like a lot of other things out there. I think if we just um, learn to get ourselves a little more educated and be a little bit more open-minded, we we could all come together um, because that's kind of what World AIDS Day is about. It's not just um, mourning the losses we may have had in the past, but it's also celebrating and rejoicing around the steps that we have taken and the, the places we have come to. I mean, things are, you know, other than the stigma, things are pretty positive.
0: If our listeners want more information about the AIDS Committee of York Region, possibly get involved or to help fundraise, how can they do that?
4: Uh, They can go to acyr.org and there's a lot of information there. There's actually a tab that you can click on that actually says get involved, um, which you can do through donating or volunteering um, or Just talking to someone and asking questions, we have teams that are willing to go out and and, uh, give presentations and help educate the community.
3: Back in October, 14-year-old Devin Selvi was stabbed to death outside his Hamilton High School in front of his mother. He was a victim of bullying. This week, Ontario's Education Minister Stephen Lecce, who is also the MPP from King Vaughan, introduced new measures to combat bullying. Minister Lecce, thank you for joining us on the feed. You unveiled uh, some new initiatives to prevent bullying, to combat bullying this week. What are your hopes that this is actually going to do to eradicate the problem?
5: Well, thank you so much for having me back on the show. I think the fact is bullying is so pervasive in our schools, online, and in on our playgrounds. It's becoming very present in the lives of so many young people, targeting you know people with uh, from body shaming to children from the LGBT community, of course, new Canadians, um, and a variety of others. And I think the fact is, no matter how it manifests, we need to counter it and be fairly aggressive in denouncing it. And so we've announced five steps that we believe are going to materially help improve uh, the safety of our kids. It's not the end of the journey, but it's the beginning. And The first item we announced was deputizing a government lead in our NPP, Christina Midas, who is a educator in the Toronto District uh, School Board. She is an advocate um, for children's wellness and mental health, and she's a mom. And she cares deeply about this and so by, by really having a teacher lead this process I think will be very eye opening to have someone lead, consult, and ultimately bring recommendations directly to me. The second is having a province wide survey to better understand student experiences. We're trying to empower young people to have a voice and the survey will help us understand just how expansive, how, you know, the breadth of this, this issue that we believe it is uh, very common but we want the data to underpin that. The third is training for educators, de-escalation training, better uh, proactivity when it comes to how they intervene and how they help uh, bring um, solutions to tensions between peer-to-peer, but also help victims and young people when they face darkness in their life. The fourth is a review of reporting practices, because many parents will tell me their child has been bullied and has not been officially reported or documented, and that, I think, needs to be reviewed to ensure that there's absolute compliance of how we report and what we report. The final thing is the definition of bullying. I mean, and the challenge is is that it's a very restrictive definition currently under the Act. It's, you know, it's um, uh, almost the requirement is so high, the thresholds, that I think we need to look at that again to make sure it's capturing all the new forms of, of bullying. This hasn't been done, by the way, since 2011, and especially given the online victimization, cyberbullying, and what's happening in social media, I think it's really consequential we get on that. So we've undertaken this announcement. And I look forward to getting uh, building upon this over the coming weeks and months because there have just been too many lives lost and too many lives, you know, uh, I think um, adversely affected because of this.
3: And, Minister Lecce, will you be working in tandem with police? Uh, will you be reaching out to parents of either of the suspected bullies or the the suspected victims?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea through the consultation. That, um, that Christina Midas, that was the, the teacher and NTP that I mentioned, is that she'll be working with right across breaking down silos, both within law enforcement, within parent communities, and of course with students themselves, among others. Um, you know, we we worked with um, you know Kids Help Phone, uh, involving them in this process, uh, given that they're on the front lines of speaking discreetly with young people who need support. So it's going to be a pretty widespread consultation. And the idea is just to make sure that those voices and those stories are finally being heard by government. You know, look, I'm I'm a generational person in politics. I, you know, I'm a a bit of a a generational lens on how we develop public policy. And I just think students have to have, be part of the solution, which is why empowering them with a survey, but also giving them a platform to speak to me directly is going to really make a difference. And I thought, um, when I met with some of the student leaders yesterday at a school in Toronto, a public school in Toronto, where I made the announcement, the overwhelming consensus was that we want to be part of the solution. You're also and asking, really
3: you're also asking educators to be a part of this. Uh, and right now, um, many educators are in the middle of job action. Is this going to sit well with them? Your request to have them be a part of the anti-bullying and de-escalation techniques, the learning techniques.
5: Yeah, I mean I would hope, uh, in my heart of hearts that we would never compromise safety. So my instinct is to say that, that you know, any negotiating negotiation that's happening in real time, that should not in any way impede an educator uh from undertaking their duty to keep kids safe. And the ones I've spoken to uh have suggested they wouldn't. I'm not sure what the instruction will be from the union leadership. I know they've Uh, They've really discouraged them from participating in a variety of initiatives, including math supports. But when it comes to safety, I I like to believe that this would not compromise it, and I'll certainly be um, using my voice to make sure that it doesn't.
3: And when will you be implementing these five steps?
5: Well, they're all going to be implemented on different staging. The first step is to get the consultation and survey underway. We've already launched a review of the definitions, so that's going to take, you know, some weeks because we've got to speak to 72 boards of education on English and French in Ontario. We want to get it right. But the idea is in, you know, the coming weeks and months, and you know, we don't want to make this uh, process linger on because time is of the essence, but we want to make sure that we're actually creating a, a credible process for people to have a say. Because at the end of the day, the mission for me is not just to create that process to be heard, but it's ultimately to affect change. I want young people in Ontario, for those listening and for their parents, to know that you know, we value each and every one of the students of this province, that there's inherent dignity um, that, and that they have and that they need to be respected. And that's why when we announced the Health and Physical Education Curriculum, we put a major emphasis on that inclusion lens because I wanted young people to know that irrespective of who they are and, quote-unquote, if they're different – and their peers that they have value, and we 're trying to change the culture in our classroom where you know people can see that value and respect people, even if they are different, different color of skin or gender orientation or heritage or faith you know income it doesn 't matter and we 've made some big impacts on the social emotional learning component of our curriculum really emphasizing um, that you know, you know the the values the inherent values in each and every you know man, woman, and child and we 're starting to see the effect of that. Uh, and I think hopefully over the coming weeks and months, as we build the discourse, build a national movement on this, you know, we're going to see change. Because, I mean, to be quite frank, again, it's not just going to, this is not going to just change in schools. We need families involved, right, because it starts at homes. We need community involved, media involved. We need so many groups that are involved in the public discourse to be part of the solution, to use language that, you know, I think motivates young people, not discourages them. And I think, uh, you know, we all have a role to play. That's why I, I'm excited to do this. But I also recognize for many fa- parents, um, you know, this has to happen yesterday. So we're moving as quick as we can.
3: Gut-wrenching and ripped our hearts out when the young man was uh, killed uh, in front of his school, in front of his mother in Hamilton uh, in October. Have yeah. you consulted with Devon's mom? Uh, have you asked her what her thoughts are as you were crafting uh, this uh, rollout?
5: I've consulted with, um, you know, certainly with victims, um, be it at the parents or child level. You know, I've not had dialogue uh, with Devin's mother directly just because I've it'd you know, um, be prudent to permit her some time to grieve. Um, I have spoken to the principal of the school. Uh, I've spoken to the superintendent and the director of education. And I've uh, been in contact with, even with the chair of the board. So clearly I'm you know prepared and my bias would be to, to speak to anyone that has want to share their narrative. But I um, uh, I think what's the undercurrent of your question is, are we going to make sure that people have a say and that mm-hmm. they're able to be heard, particularly from the victim's lens and the answer is in short, absolutely. That has already started and that will continue.
3: And if we could very quickly touch on the job action, are both sides continuing to be at the bargaining table at this point?
5: We are negotiating in good faith. I want to keep kids in class. It is so consequential that children's education is not impeded. The continuum of learning should carry on. You know, we can disagree, but it shouldn't compromise your child's education. Totally unacceptable when I hear escalation approaches by unions. And my job, as it was with QP, was to stay mission-oriented, student-centric, and keep kids in class. We got a good deal with QP, which prevented that strike, and I'm hoping that teachers' unions will be reasonable. They have not moved on virtually anything to date, which has created some difficulty, but I remain cautiously optimistic that through mediation, we can get an enduring deal that's good for parents, of course, good for teachers, but most importantly, good for the kids of this province that deserve a high-quality education. They deserve to be in class each and every day.
3: When you became Minister of Education, a lot of twists and turns. Is any of this what you bargained for, Minister Lecce?
5: On a personal level, mm-hmm. well, look, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm humbled by this. I honestly, I'm, you know, I'm just so motivated to serve two million young people and to be part of, you know, the change they need. I think to give them, you know, the, the motivation uh, to work hard to graduate and ultimately to get access to good paying jobs. That's my aspiration for them to be an inclusive public servant and to ensure that every one of them knows that they can achieve their potential, that they can get a job, that they can you know, uh, go through the journey of learning with confidence. And so, you know, I've never made it about me. I mean, I'm loving my job and I really love the young people I serve, but I'm motivated because of those young people uh, that inspire me every day. And I live in a beautiful community where I grew up in Vaughan and King um, great diversity that exists there, um, and so I'm just very proud to be an NPP, proud to be the minister, and proud to be the youngest minister of education in Ontario's history, and I think that's a strength for our young people because they've got a voice at the cabinet table.
3: And just before I let you go, do you think that education should be uh, considered an essential service?
5: You know, I'm not there yet. Uh, at this point, my priority is just getting a deal that's good for families. I, I Obviously, it's so consequential education to the prosperity of our country, Um, disordered about it. But I think for now, my focus is going to be on just getting a deal through negotiated settlement.
3: Stephen Lecce, Minister of Education, I hope that you and I can continue to talk through this process and very much appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the feed today.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Stephen. Next on the feed, we move from provincial politics to the feds in Ottawa and a new portfolio for the MP from Markham Thornhill. Mary Eng takes on the role Minister of International Trade.
6: I'm really excited about this new portfolio. It's uh, the Minister of Small Business and Expert Promotion and International Trade. So it really is about uh, a business-friendly government that recognizes the importance of Canadian businesses and helping those businesses access the customers that we have in the uh, throughout the global marketplace. And Markham, of course, is a high-tech capital. It has many small and medium-sized businesses, but it has many businesses of all sizes. So my new portfolio is really focused on how to help our Canadian businesses take advantage of the access, the preferential access that Canada already has in the international marketplace. So trade agreements like the CPTPP, or CETA, which we've successfully negotiated, means that there are customers, global customers, ready for our Canadian businesses to grow into and uh, to expand.
0: And how can, how can small businesses or large and small businesses, not only in Markham but across the country, access some of these services?
6: Well, um, you know, in my previous portfolio, um, we have created a really great app. It's the Canada Business App that allows small businesses to just navigate through the various services that the Government of Canada that the federal government offers to small businesses. And, uh, you know, we've invested in in programs like the Trade Accelerator Program to help Canadian businesses become more expert-ready. We also have the Trade Commissioner Service who, that I have responsibility for. I best sales force in the world. We operate in 160 countries, and they're there to help Canadian businesses as they grow or as they want to explore into an international marketplace to be there to help them navigate to introduce them to customers introduce them to investors but really just to support Canadian businesses that are growing into uh, the global marketplace so this is uh, a really exciting file and uh, and it really is building on 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 the foundation to help grow our Canadian businesses globally
0: now, you visited the station before the election. You were elected in your riding. What message do you think resonated most with your constituents?
6: Well, my constituents, uh, you know, were really pleased. I, you know, I think my constituents have uh, re-elected me because they were uh, pleased with what the Liberal government uh at the time the Liberal Party was putting out to them, which is really continuing the work to help the middle class, continuing listening to them about uh, what we need to do on job growth, on helping uh, continue the work we're doing to help families, uh, to help seniors. So we are excited. Then this team, under the leadership of the prime minister and this new cabinet, and indeed this new government, is going is very committed to uh, deliver on the commitments that we made to Canadians. Uh, and I, of course, will continue to work very hard for all of the constituents in Markham Thornhill. Um, you know, essentially starting on October the twenty. 20- second, uh, the, uh, you know, the day I was elected. But this time around, it is
0: a minority government. How is the dynamic different this time around?
6: I think Canadians expect us to work together. I think Canadians expect that we all work together with one interest in mind, and that is, you know, and that is in the interest of Canadians. So we're very committed. Uh, the Prime Minister is committed. The team is committed. We're going to work with all sides um, so that we can get things done for Canadians.
0: And what is getting done in your first 100 days? What are your priorities?
6: Well, my priority here is to keep building on the work that I've been doing for Canadian businesses. Help Canadian businesses access the opportunities to grow here, not only in Canada, but into the international marketplace. And you know what? I am going to have a lot more to say sort of, you know, beyond day one of the job. And it's wonderful to be able to talk to you, Tina, and, uh, you know, to uh, the residents in Markham and in York Region about, uh, about my new file. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to keep talking to, uh, to people in, in York Region and in Markham about the work that I will be doing.
0: Well, Minister Inc., congratulations on your new portfolio. Please come back to the station anytime.
6: I sure will. Thank you so much, and you can count on it. I'll be there.
0: And one more thing, if our listeners do want to connect with you or your office, how can they do that?
6: Absolutely. They can uh, uh, send me an email at mary.ng at parl.gc.ca and uh that is the uh that is the email address for my constituency team that is there to serve my constituents in Markham Thornhill and uh we have a constituency office at 16 Esna Park Drive and um, and and people are very welcome to come and visit our community office but uh, please send an email uh please give us a call or please visit uh, the office
3: This is the feed on 105.9, the region where we share stories, issues, and events from across York region, including the town of Georgina's plan to exchange parking tickets for toys. Afua Ba with How This All Works. So, you found a yellow slip on your car.
7: You have a parking ticket. Well, in the town of Georgina, you'll have the option to pay for your ticket by donating a toy that a child will receive for Christmas this year. Joining me to chat today about the Toys for Tickets program is none other than Mayor of Georgina, Margaret Quirk. Mayor Quirk, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Happy to be here. Of course. Okay, so let's let the listeners know about the Toys for Tickets program.
8: Well, it's a program we started... It's New for Georgina, but it's something that many other municipalities do uh, do have in place. And what this is for is for tickets issued between November 22nd and December 6th for the offense of parking between the hours of 2 a.m. and, and 7 a.m. So those winter restrictions that we put in from November 15th to um, April 15th for that overnight parking, those are the tickets that uh, that we're targeting um, for this uh, particular program because we're trying to ensure compliance. With that, uh, with that program, with the, the ticketing, and nobody likes to get a parking ticket, as you said, but uh, we're giving them the option to, uh, to purchase a, uh, a, a new unwrapped toy, equal or greater to the value of, uh, of a fine, and then all the toys will be distributed locally through uh, the charities that, uh, that, we, uh, that we work with on that.
7: That is awesome. Okay, and so of course nobody likes to just wake up in the morning and there you go. There's an overnight uh, sort of yellow slip on your uh, your uh, car, but it's going towards a right. great cause. It's a great
8: option. Yes, and and as I said, the uh, the new toy has to be in its original packaging, obviously, and and we need to see the receipt because we need to make sure that it's uh, of the the value. And then you can uh, bring it into uh, the municipal uh, law enforcement division here at the civic center and uh, drop that off. And so basically, you're you're still having to. Pay the fine, but you're paying the fine by buying a, a a toy for somebody perhaps less fortunate in the community that uh that you know you can assist so it's still paying a a price for that uh parking of overnight but it's it's a toy, and hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better that uh that you're helping out somebody else
7: i mean it 's almost like turning lemon into lemonade or lemon pie
8: <laughs> exactly it's sort of like you know pay it forward a little bit uh to to that, and as I say it 's something that uh Every year since i 've been elected mayor i 've had people tag me on social media that see other municipalities doing that, and they said why can 't we do this here? This is a, a good a uh, good program so our staff have have worked on this to uh, to put this into into place and we 're hoping that uh, that we do get some people that instead of paying the the the, the dollars in in a fine we 'll put those dollars towards uh, a toy that will be uh, able to uh, to uh, be given to local charities that uh, deal with the the Christmas programs that they have.
7: I love that you just mentioned right now in terms of the feedback, because I know that it's, of course, still in its early stages, this particular program, but clearly Uh the feedback from residents, they're saying that um, they want this type of program in place in the town.
8: Yeah, they they certainly have uh, said to me over the last couple of years we should we should be doing something like this and it's something that uh, we don't know how many people actually participate in it but even if uh, a handful do it's uh, more toys into the uh, into the community that and at the end of the day that's that's what really matters is is helping out uh, uh, everybody within the community that uh, needs some assistance during the Christmas time uh, with uh, with gifts for their children so it's it, it goes to a good cause.
7: Definitely. And um, have has the town sort of targeted the the different charities that they'll be working with in order to donate these toys to?
8: Well, typically we deal with any of the toy um, collection programs that we run through the town. Um, the Optimist here in, in uh, Georgiana, the Keswick Optimist, does a wonderful job in uh, uh, collecting uh, toys and organizing uh, through uh, various uh, means by contacting churches and different agencies to find out Who is, uh, is in need, they have them register, and then they'll be able to say, okay, we need, uh, this family has, uh, three children, there's two boys and a girl, and they're, 10, 11, and 12, and, and here's, you know, they, they let the families come into um, the area that they had set up with the toys and do the shopping of, uh, they're allowed to pick certain numbers of toys from tables and certain gifts and stuff, so it's very well organized. The Optimists have been doing this for a number of years, so any of the toys that the town collects at our town facilities, whether it's uh, at the uh, Ice Palace, whether it's the library, it's the Civic Center, we put towards... Um, the Optimus Toy Drive and certainly they do a phenomenal job in, in collecting toys for uh, for the families in Georgina.
7: Awesome okay and is it all toys accepted or is it only a certain type of toys for a certain category of uh, age group?
8: No it can be uh, something for a young child it can be something for a, an older child and I know one of the, the things that they have the most difficulty in getting uh, toys for is those teenagers so I believe they'll go up to uh 14 or 15 for the the toy drive and it's really hard to get something you know everybody will buy a stuffed animal or a doll or a fire truck or a you know a race car for those young kids but it's those early teens that it's really hard at times to to make sure they have uh enough gifts and if people are wanting they they don't have to get a ticket to donate there's a lot of programs uh, within the town whether it's the optimist i know a number of churches do uh do toy drives uh the Pefilaw lionesses do a, a toy drive. There's lots of organizations: um, the police, Salvation Army. A lot of groups do uh, do toy drives. And if people don't want to wait to get a ticket, they can certainly uh, donate to any of those uh, those local groups to get the toys out into uh, into the community.
7: And we, of course, just want to stress that um, gift cards are not accepted in this case, right?
8: No, we want to see the uh, the unwrapped uh, toy. Um, because they're, it's just easier to to deal with the toys than uh, than the gift cards for for this program. So, and again, it's between uh, November 22nd now until December 6th for the overnight parking um, uh, tickets that people may get. And the overnight parking people will often say, "Well, it's not snowing. I went to bed at 10 o'clock. It wasn't snowing, and it didn't snow all night. Why did uh, you know? Why did I get a ticket? The restrictions are in place." For that season, from November 15th to the April 15th season, so that if a snow squall comes up in the middle of the night, that uh, if our crews are out uh, having to to deal with snow removal, that uh, that the the streets are are clear of uh, of the cars. So, if people ever wonder about um, why we uh, don't want the cars parked on on the streets overnight during a snow event, all I can say is. Talk to a snowplow operator, and and they'll fill you in on how difficult it can be be to maneuver around parked cars, and then what that does. Once that car then leaves, there's often that big snow pile left behind. Then if it freezes, it really can can make for a, a real um, difficult situation to ensure that the roads are are uh, kept uh, clear and that. Uh, that a good job is done. So getting the cars off the uh, the road overnight is one big step towards ensuring that the roads are safe for everybody.
7: Okay, so more like a just basically a preventative measure, so that uh, you know it just helps mm-hmm. everyone go around, helps it move easier in case there is some sort of snow event that happens.
8: Exactly, and and we do have uh, uh, ways that if there's a, a major winter snow event, we have uh, a, a snow event emergency that we can declare that. Cars on all the streets have to get off because we may need to bring uh snow plows in other trucks or loaders. It depends on the kind of winter I mean the last couple of years we've had snow and then we 'll have a bit of a melt and then some more snow and then some melt. But if we get a winter that stays cold and we keep that that volume of snow at times we will have to go in and and do a major clean out if we get really dumped on a on a big snowfall uh you know within a twenty four hour period, we may need to uh, get out there. And, and so we will declare a snow emergency and ask people to uh, to uh, not park on the, any streets. And that can be during the day. We could say, that you know, a snow emergency may be, you know, uh, during daytime hours and we need all the, um, the the cars off the road so that we can get in there and really do uh, a good job if we've got uh, a lot of snow to remove.
7: All right, fair enough. Okay, and then finally,
8: where can the toys be uh, dropped off? They can go onto our, our website, uh, Georgina.ca, and then uh, toys for tickets. If they're dropping off, uh, a, if they've got a, a parking ticket, they have to come into the Civic Center and uh, they'll only be accepted at the law enforcement division here at the Civic Center on the second floor and they can bring in the, the toy that they've purchased with a receipt that shows it's of uh, equal or greater value of whatever the, the ticket is that they've gotten.
7: Okay, perfect. Mayor Quirk, thank you so much great. for joining me today. Appreciate no it. No problem. Have a great weekend. See you as well. Bye-bye.
3: You're listening to the feed on 105.9 the region i'm ann romer if you missed any part of our show please go to 105.9 the for a replay on our next stop jim lang meets a local teen selling hoodies to help
1: at-risk youth the turk foundation is an interesting organization providing an environment where youth from the greater toronto area neighborhoods that could be at risk to gun and gang violence can learn and practice leadership skills to help them get through life and someone trying to make a difference is Ben Jackson of York region who is producing and selling chill hoodies to raise awareness and funds for the Turk foundation. He joins us on the feed, Ben, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm a good Ben. Well, I actually, I'm really proud to be talking to you. This takes a lot of initiative to want to make a difference and then go to the trouble of making your own hoodies to sell them, to help out. What prompted you to be part of this and want to go to the effort to do this, Ben? Well, uh, Last year, I was going through a lot of bullying incidents, Like I was being bullied a lot. So uh,
9: I decided to make a chill sweatshirt. Uh, me, and, me and my mom decided to start working towards making a chill sweatshirt since she owns a shop on Stillville Main Street. So uh, I ended up giving a majority of the funds from every chill sweatshirt I sold over the kid's Help phone. And uh, after the bullying incidents, I started to get into the wrong crowd because I felt like I could fit in more to them. Uh, just because people looked at them bad and after those bullying incidents, people were looking at me bad. So I'm like, oh, may as well just go in here. Things are already rough enough. So uh, that started making bad relationships with even, even my own family. And um, recently my mom saw, uh, she saw the advertisement for Turk Foundation. She's like, this would be great. We need him to start getting back. Like uh, we missed the old him. So I went there and that instantly changed my perspective. They wanted me to get, all of them saw where I was coming from, but they, they wanted to help fix me. Um, so I went there, I, it completely changed my mindset, so I wanted to start up the Chill Sweaters again and give all the money to them, because they, uh, supply everything for free and they give out, uh, toys and stuff like that. So I wanted to start a toy drive for them. That they can be supplying more stuff and then the the chill sweatshirts, I would give them majority of the proceeds as well. So I just thought that would I could help them as many ways as I could.
1: You know, i Ben I'm a parent. We have we have teenage daughters and and you had mentioned quite eloquently that it's one thing to have your parents say something, but to hear from the people of the Turk Foundation talk to you, it made a difference. What was it about what they said that sort of sparked something into you to make that change, Ben? I think it's just more like my parents
9: telling me to do it. It's something different because that's you know they didn't really know what I was go I was going through because they haven't been in the wrong crowd if you know what I mean. But these guys have been in and out of jail. They know exactly where I'm coming from. So just hearing someone almost knowing where I'm coming from just completely changed my perspective. I'm guessing. How was the... That's where I think it was.
1: Well, sorry, Ben, but how has the reaction been with, with your circle of friends and social media to what you're doing now, making these sweatshirts and making a difference with the Turk Foundation?
9: Uh, my my friend group has completely changed since last year. My my grades have been coming up a lot more. Um, my relationships and my family are even a lot better. Um, I'm just enjoying everything a lot more, I guess you could say.
1: And those friends and those families must be completely on board supporting you with these new group of friends and your relationship reignited with your family, what you're doing to make a difference. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so tell us about your social media, because I think people listening would like, I'd like to find out more. I know the Turk Foundation has their website, turkfoundation.ca, but if people want to buy these chill hoodies and help you and help support the foundation, where do they go, Ben? Um, I mean, my mom's social media
0: mm-hmm. uh,
9: for the store, uh, which you could just figure out, it's just your redefined finds. Um, I believe she has Instagram, but the main her main source is Facebook. Okay. So just redefined finds on there. Um, yeah, she's got Instagram as well, but she's way more active on Facebook, I believe.
1: Because of your experience, Ben, and because you've grown so much in the last couple of years, are you seeing younger kids in school, and identifying it like, hey, that kid that kid's has problems and he might be going down the wrong path?
9: I, I have for sure seen that in a, in a lot of kids. Um, but I've just tried to veer myself away from them in the past. But uh, as of right now, uh, I, I, I'm i in high school. I'm only second year of high school, so I don't really hang out with elementary school kids. Yeah. But uh, in grade 9, yeah, there are definitely a lot of kids who are like, Oh, I look up to the people in the wrong crowd because they're the popular ones.
1: Well, you know, Ben, a lot of people go through life and they don't figure it out. To find that you're this young, you've figured it out, you're you're making a real gutsy move to make a difference. I have all the respect in the world for you. I'm very impressed with you, Ben. Thank you very much. Uh, The Chill Hoodies, check them out. The Turk Foundation... Their mission statement is trying to help an environment where youth from the GTA who are in neighborhoods or are in the wrong crowd can make a difference and turn their life around. As you mentioned, Ben, uh, talking to the people who uh, don't just talk it—they've walked it. They've lived the life in and out of some tough areas and they're talking to youth and making a difference so if you would like to support the turk foundation anyway go to turkfoundation.ca ben jackson uh, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for making a difference and continue success in the future i really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us thank you very much for the opportunity you're welcome ben take care Hi, right, you too
3: new music
1: new music a new artist on the feed
3: This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Over now to music coordinator Christina Lavecchia and new music from York Region's own Crash Adams.
10: We're just listening to music duo Crash Adams from right here in York Region, and we have them in studio right now. Hey. Listeners just got a little sneak peek of one of your latest singles, Astronauts. How would you describe your sound?
2: We would describe it as retro pop because it has it's modern, but it's also nostalgic.
10: So together, you're Crash Adams. So we have Crash to my left and we have Adams to my right. Yeah, it's good. How did you guys come up with the name Crash Adams?
2: Have you ever seen Patch Adams, the movie? Yeah. So that message behind that movie is how is is a message that we strongly believe in. And our goal is to live life and touch people the way Patch Adams touched people. But Crash Adams sounded cooler. So we're Crash Adams.
10: And how did you two meet?
2: Our moms were actually really good friends. Um, so growing up by default... We had to be friends, but we got along well and we kept the friendship going throughout throughout the years because we were never really, we weren't really always at each other's side. It was more distant until until recent.
10: And how long have you been performing together or how did the band develop?
2: We've only performed two shows. So technically July was the first time we performed together, but we've been making music since... For probably about two and a half years now. we, Before we launched in May, we had worked on an album already for about a year and a half. And then that's when we decided to launch once we had all the music done and we could focus on the business side because that's a very time-consuming side.
10: And you started off as producing, is that correct? Yeah,
2: I started, yeah. started off producing. Adams was a guitarist, it developed into... Everything now I sing, Adam sings, and I can't wait. To two years from now, we're going to be way better than obviously we are now. And if looking back on how we are now compared to two years ago, that's it was. it's a pretty huge improvement.
10: You ha- currently have two singles out called Astronauts and the other ones Make It Last. Tell us a bit about the songs.
2: So Astronauts is really about being that astronaut in a world... That tells you to remain on Earth and stay grounded. Um, the astronauts are seen as people who are risk takers, people who are who are not necessarily the norm, people who are weird, and that's why they're astronauts. They're very they're by themselves, and and that's okay. That's okay to be like that as long as you're truly dedicated to the message. You want to send to people. Now Adams can describe Make It Last for you.
9: You know, Make It Last is about reminiscing on past memories. Best memory I have of that song is going in the studio, pulling up my
2: guitar, was killing it. Thanks, Adams. We came up with the with the beat first. Um it sounded like a very eighties style song, so immediately we thought, Okay, we're not from the eighties, however we can make it based on our past our our own retro past so that's how the the feel of the song came about and then we wrote the lyrics after and it just kind of turned into being about if you could relive a moment of your youth what would it be and it doesn't matter if it's true or not what would the perfect story of that moment in your youth be
10: and for the music video for "Make It Last," it was shot within New York region. We have the bulk barn on Major Mackenzie <laughs> yeah. and Canada's Wonderland. Yeah. So, how did that concept come about?
2: Well, we started with children in astronauts. They're actually all all family members. They're all my cousins. Um, I really like the the theme of of children because it keeps the it keeps the innocence of the message, and and it really. That's really, yeah, I really want the innocence of the message to be there as well as we we have to do some fun things for kids, right? So I figured at this point might as well, they 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 actually worked 12 hours, 12 hour days filming a music video. So I had to take them somewhere where they'd have a good time.
10: <laughs> it looked like they had a great time. So <laughs> you accomplished <laughs> that really well. They
2: did. you know what? They wanted to do, they keep wanting to do more.
10: And in both videos, um, I noticed that you guys have um, not a big presence. Is that deliberate?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, It is deliberate right now. We will feature ourselves more and more throughout, throughout the story because the way I describe each song is there's a different chapter with each song that will come together at the very end once we release everything. And we really don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about something more than us, a.k.a. The music.
10: And you guys have a very distinct style, too. I met you on one other occasion when you guys dropped off, your music as well, and you guys were dressed fully in suits, and here you are today again, um, both in matching suits. You actually have a picture that uh, you shared with us, too, with a red couch in the middle of Young and Dundas Square. Um, So you guys carried that through the streets, placed the couch right in the middle of the intersection. How was that experience? What made you come up with that that concept?
9: The only thing I can say is my adrenaline was through the roof.
2: It was wild. It was wild. It's it's funny because everybody just looks at you. You just walk by and everyone's wondering what's going on. And I like I like seeing the reactions of people when they see something that's out of the norm. Kind of walking around with suits and a couch. It's you wouldn't see that every day.
10: So. And it got over one million views on social as yeah. well, right?
2: Yeah, on TikTok we got we got over a million views see us on TikTok. Never know.
10: Here at the region, we really want our listeners to get to know artists that come into the studio um, just to be a little bit more familiar with you both. So that being said, I'm going to ask you a few questions and we'll give it a go. Who's most likely to worry about the small things? Crash. And who's most likely to forget people's names? Adams. Easily. <laughs> you guys help, you help them out, right? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could pick a theme song, okay, I'll, I'll direct us to Crash. Sure. If you could pick a theme song for your life, what would it be and why? That's
2: great. That's a great question. I would probably pick the song Every Day by Eric Prids. It has two sentences in the entire song. It's, if every day goes like this, how do we survive? We're working late on the night shift to achieve some hype, even though it's not hype. I don't know what the last word is. I'm, I just filled that in. But um, basically, that's that's my theme song because I like the message that it sends and I'm always living my life with that message, I don't, I don't want to settle at the end of the day.
10: And Adams, if you could pick two famous people to have dinner with, living or past, who would you pick?
9: I'd have to say Jimmy Page and John Mayer, my inspiration.
10: And if you could use one word to describe each other, what would it be? Hmm.
2: Genius. Appreciate that, Adams. Thank you.
10: No pressure for your word now, right? You have <laughs> I, I would probably say
2: Yang. That's how I would describe Adams. I'm Yin. That's very true.
10: <laughs> you guys are a great duo. <laughs> and so your singles are currently out, are Astronauts and Make It Last. What can listeners look forward to from you guys? I know you have a new single coming out in January, is it?
2: Yeah, so we have our new song, Ooh, it's coming out in January. We're really excited for that. Uh, we also have, we have about 12 13 songs done so we're going to release an ep next year probably towards the end of the year but we'll build it up as we'll have multiple songs coming out throughout the year starting with ooh and getting into some other styles i think everybody's gonna like it to be honest i'm i'm really excited about it
10: okay and if anybody wants to check you guys out online and check more of your music where can they find you
2: at crash adams music on all social medias uh instagram tiktok twitter As well as www.crashadamsmusic.com. And don't forget, you can stream us on Spotify, Apple Music, and any other streaming service.
10: Perfect. Thank you guys so much for coming by. It was really great speaking with you.
2: Thank you very much for having
4: us.
10: I'm music coordinator Christina Lavecchia. Here's a little sneak peek of Crash Adams' upcoming release, Ooh, on 1059 The Region.
8: Every second's so deflating, but I'm stuck cause
2: it's
4: intoxicating.
3: You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Hockey season is well underway in rinks across this nation, but big changes are coming to Hockey Canada. Jim Lang with the play-by-play.
1: As Canada changes and hockey changes, well, the, the nation and the game itself is changing along with it. Something really cool recently announced by Hockey Canada, they're changing the names of all the different hockey leagues and hockey divisions in this country, From things like Novice and Peewee and Midget to U17s and U16s to talk more about this really cool change and sort of uh, the timing is perfect. Thrilled to be speaking with Mark Halliday, the VP of Marketing and Communications at Hockey Canada. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well, Jim. How are you doing? Good. uh, I know the timing in this is really fascinating. We just came off the Hockey Hall of Fame, and a real pioneer of the sport in Haley Wickenheiser. She gets inducted, and a couple of Europeans are involved, including Vaclav Nedimansky. And I know in Europe, but I know in the U.S., the, the term U12, U14s are used a lot. What was the tipping point for Hockey Canada to join on board and get rid of the old way and sort of look ahead to the future?
11: Uh, well, great point about about coming off an exciting weekend, and we were very very proud of, of Haley Wickenheiser uh, a for what she's done for for hockey in general, and especially for the women's game. So very pleased for for her you know, receiving that honor. Um, hockey Canada, we're always looking for ways to make the game better, uh, whether that's uh, on the ice, you know, helping coaches, helping officials, uh, helping parents, whatever it is um and also is what can we do to make the game more welcoming to bring more people in you know we we believe it is the greatest game in the world and some everyone should have a place in and um and as we were having those conversations it, it it you know we felt like our 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 name the names of our age divisions um were, were complicated if if you weren't in the game um you wouldn't know what a novice is or an atom is um, So we 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 took a step back. We, we put a group of people together who investigated, and yeah, you look around the world, you look at what the International Ice Hockey Federation does, you look at what some other sports do, and realize that yeah, we we are we were overdue to uh, to to update it and, and really make it simpler for people. And if if somebody's interested in playing, at least we can make it easy for them to to find out where their kid fits into the game.
1: Because yeah, I I know as a hockey fan myself and a guy that still plays with the old boys in my neighborhood, we. We, we will watch our our friends or our kids play in certain divisions, and we watch team Canada international u sixteens and u seventeens and figure out well what league are they in back home <laughs> I think
11: we we've we had a great history with those names, and I think uh I think you're right, but we made people do do work to figure out where this all fits, and I think that this, this cleans it up, makes it clearer and simpler for everybody
1: it, mark for years you've heard and seen examples of exceptional players playing out of their leagues a kid that would have been in peewee playing in bantam does this change that uh, so, sort of how that works if you are u14 do you stay in the u14 or can you play up to u15 that kind of thing uh,
11: that's, a, that's a good question and then uh, yeah clearly you, you are involved in the game if uh, if you're looking at uh, looking at those types of examples and they do happen um this is really simply changing uh the names of those divisions uh, this has no impact on um, on anything else that that minor hockey associations do, as far as having minors and midget, uh, minors and majors. Um, this you know this change really has no impact on anything other than those the names of those divisions. If 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 associations allow players to play up, if they've allowed that in the past, this will have no
1: impact on that going forward. And that's cool because I think, Mark, especially because I have some friends that have kids in the OHL or WHL. When you get to that age in your minor hockey matriculation and you're eligible for the WHL draft or the OHL draft, that's that's a big year in in AAA hockey in this country.
11: It is, and 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 the CHL, we're again an a important partner of Hockey Canada's, and and we would we would. You know, all we want to do is support their business. So certainly, certainly this this has no impact on on any any draft eligible or ages or anything like that.
1: Is this is this kind of cool that Hockey Canada doing this? And you see, I know other sports have names to their leagues. Well this will become a universal thing in Canadian sports, in different team sports? And instead of calling them Peewees or Adams, they'll be U tens, U twelves, etc.
11: Well, we, you know, Hockey Canada, we did a lot of work on this. We had a past team, uh, working on this for, for, for a few, well, more than a few months. And we talked with our 13, uh, provincial and territorial members, making sure that they understood and were aligned with this change. Um, so, when, when families go to register their, their, their players for, for next season, for the 2020-2021 season, Um, everyone should experience the same thing. And it it should be universal across the country that you're registering your kid in, you know, under seven, under nine, under 11. So um, it, it definitely aligns more with what other sports do. Um, in Canada and around the world. So we do think we do think it'll be more universal and, and, and simpler for people.
1: Mark Halliday's talking to us today. He's the VP of marketing and communications at Hockey Canada. And and Mark, I, I should commend Hockey Canada over the last few years. Hockey Canada's gone to great lengths to be more inclusive. Women, uh the LGBTQ community, you name it, they've always kind of thought, let's think big picture in this country. Canada's changed. Let's change with it with our sport. And and getting rid of names like Midget, you don't think about it, but if you're a pro- person who falls in that category, it's probably a big deal not to see that as a sports name or a league name anymore in hockey.
11: It's important for us that that that, that people have people feel welcome, and it's diversity, it's ethnicity, it's it's all shapes and sizes. Um, we really believe that yeah, this is the greatest game in the world, and and when people play it, it helps develop great people uh that's thanks to the volunteer coaches we have and the volunteers and minor hockey associations across the country and we just we think everyone has a place in the game we want, want to make sure everyone feels welcome and, and and is encouraged to to join and that's really important for us and um there's more we can do to to, to bring more people into the game but we're we're trying to make steps every
1: day to do that we hear and, and see and read different demographic statements and different reports about how Canada's changing as a country and people maybe are gravitating towards different sports. Are we still seeing that people at that younger age, eight, nine, ten, no matter where they're from, Mark, are still thinking about, hey, I want to start playing hockey because I want to be like Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid?
11: We've. Um we've done we've done some research um to try and understand um our marketplace and 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 you always want to understand your your customer and uh, and it was it was really reassuring in 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 hearing from from new Canadians uh specifically in this case um they all understand the importance of hockey to Canada they all uh, they all want to be a part of it um they're they're not sure how um, and that's part of some part of the work we need to do is is to make that journey to the game easy. And it may be as a fan, it may be as a volunteer. Um, our preference obviously is is that they're part of the minor hockey system and they're, they're playing in, in their community. Um, but but that may be you know the third or fourth step. The first step may be um, turning on the TV uh, next month and and watching World Juniors. Um, but, but yeah, we, we, we feel, and from the work we've done, we believe there's, there's lots of opportunity for, for anyone in Canada, whether you're, you've been here for six months or for six generations that, uh, that everyone loves this game and, and they
1: want to be a part of it and we want to help them be a part of it. Mark, as someone who's in the U55 category for hockey players in Canada, <laughs> I, I'm really happy with the new designation. My boys, when we get together, we'll feel really good about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well,
11: I look forward to you being in the U-75 league one day.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate your time. Continue great work with Hockey Canada. I always appreciate it. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for the time. we Will do. Take care, Mark.
3: And that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed or you have a story idea or a community event to share, please head to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. Thank
1: you for being with us.